Well, here we are in mid, almost mid-2021. Can you believe it? And now we are 14 months into COVID in the Bahamas. And we're still waiting, aren't we, for a lot of things. Generally, we're waiting for COVID cases to go down and for freedoms to go up. We're waiting for the vaccine to be distributed. We're waiting for the tourists to return to our land with the sun, sand, and sea. We're waiting as well when the tourists return that the economy will heal. Businesses, employment, well-being. We're waiting. In a more personal way, we are all waiting for a call back to work, perhaps, or a call to a new work. We're waiting for payments from persons who owe us money. We're waiting for NIB benefits that are to come to us. We're waiting for the tellers at all the banks. We're waiting for medical tests and diagnoses and procedures. We're waiting for our church to be less restricted by protocols. We're waiting for closer contact with our loved ones, our families. We're waiting. And when you think about it, waiting is a common thing for everyone. Christians wait. Atheists wait. Poor folks wait. Rich folks wait. In some ways, (laughs) to be alive means that you're waiting. Writer Ralph Waldo Emerson, certainly no Christian, asked, how much of human life is lost waiting? Christian Arthur, author, excuse me, John Ortberg disagreed with Emerson's assumption about waiting being a waste. Ortberg wrote, quote, biblically, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is a part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. That is true. Biblically, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is a part of the process of becoming what, uh, what God wants us to be. Do you believe that? It's true. This sermon, which is based on Psalm 101, tells us how we can wait so that we will worship as we wait. The psalm gives us help to instruct us on the ways we ought to wait because we're all waiting so that our waiting is worship to God and not hand-wringing anxiety and impatience. The Bible says in more than one place that we should wait on God for many things like blessing and provision and mercy and guidance. We are to wait on God for answered prayer and kept promises. We are to wait on God for our vindication and for our forgiveness and for our glorification. And we are to wait on God for his son, Jesus Christ's return. And we are to wait on God for heaven as believers. Many persons in the Bible had to wait. Noah Sarah, Jacob, David, Ruth, Hannah, Isaiah, Hosea, Micah, 
Simeon and Anna, Joseph of Arimathea, and the great apostle Paul. These all had to wait, and scripture chronicles for us that they did so. To be more specific about waiting, Joseph waited for 13 years. Abraham waited for 25 years. Moses waited for 40 years. And Jesus waited for 30 years. And so this morning, if you were waiting, you were in good company. There was a time in King David's life when he was waiting. There's good reason to speculate that the historical background to Psalm 101 is found in 2 Samuel. But before I take you to 2 Samuel to look at the historical background to Psalm 101, let's look at the psalm together. Psalm 101, hear the word of God. David writes under inspiration, I will sing of the mercy and justice of you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will I destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. And hence, under inspiration, we get the curtain pulled back on David's heart when it comes to righteousness and when it comes to intolerance of wickedness. Look at the middle of verse 2, will you? It's a question of God, a question that David asks of God. Oh, when will you come to me? Have you wondered that? (laughs) COVID, other factors. God, oh, when will you come to me? Oh, when, God, will you come to me? So what was going on for David? As I alluded to moments ago, I think there's a case to be made that what was going on for David in Psalm 101, has its genesis, its beginning, in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Listen to the word of God in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. I believe this is the historical background to Psalm 101, in which David asks, Oh, when will you come to me? Listen. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bailey, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called the name, the Lord of hosts, that is the Lord of the angels, who dwells between the cherubim, angels. So they set 
the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Yuzah and Ohio, sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and Ohio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of firwood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Yuzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Yuzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, may I interject, I guess he was. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? There's the question. David asked, how can the ark of the Lord come to me, given what happened to Yuzah when he just touched it? Verse 9. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. I think that could easily be the historical background to Psalm 101, specifically the question David raises in Psalm 101, verse 2, Oh, when will you come to me? I believe that Psalm 101 is best seen in the light of 2 Samuel 6, verses 1 to 11. And David's very similar question in Psalm 101 to what he said in verse 9 of 2 Samuel 6. Oh God, when will you come to me? Now track with me. In the context of Uzzah being struck dead, can you imagine it? In the context of Yuza being struck dead by God, David was asking in Psalm 101, how can I ever be as holy as one needs to be not to end up struck dead like Yuza? To paraphrase, The king in Psalm 101 was asking, holy God, when will it be safe for the ark to come to me in Jerusalem? Most likely, I would submit Psalm 101, a psalm on how to wait and worship, is rooted in that history of Yuzah being struck dead for touching the ark of the covenant. David leaving the ark of the covenant for safekeeping with pagans for three months. Now, when you step back from this, holiness was on David's mind and heart 
as he waited for the ark to come to him in Jerusalem. Holiness. And similarly, church, holiness should be on our minds and hearts, too, as we wait for COVID or anything else. Holiness should be on our minds, as it was on David's mind, as he waited for the Ark of the Covenant to come to him in Jerusalem. So as we wait for COVID and for the economy and for tourists, and for other personal uncertainties that you well know individually. As we wait, Psalm 101 can help us to wait in holy ways because you know there's plenty of unholy ways to wait, right? Grumbling, criticizing, fearing, wringing our hands in anxiety, pessimism, fatalism, There are plenty of ways that we can wait in an unholy manner. But thank God, in Psalm 101, we see five ways that we can wait whatever we're waiting for in a holy way that is actually worship to a holy God. You ready? There are five I wills in Psalm 101. If you write in your Bibles, I would have you circle all five I will statements. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Let's take them one by one. The first I will of Psalm 101 is in verse 1, and it's this. I will sing. Verse 1. I will sing of the mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. If you are going to wait in a holy way of worship, then sing. Secondly, to overview the passage, the second I will is in the first part of verse 2, and it's this. I will behave wisely. If you're going to wait and worship, you need to behave wisely. Third, I will walk with a perfect heart. That is verse 3. Excuse me, 2C, verse 2, third part of the verse. I will walk with a perfect heart. If you want to wait in a way that is worshipful, then you walk or live with a perfect heart. Fourth, I will set nothing before Wicked before my eyes. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. That's a choice. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. That's verse 3. If you and I are going to wait for whatever we're waiting for, then we will not set anything wicked before our eyes. And when we don't, then we will be able to worship while we're waiting. And fifth, I will. I will not know wickedness. That's the thrust of verses 4 through 8 of Psalm 101. So I will sing, I will behave wisely, I will walk with a perfect heart, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes, and I will not know wickedness. Let's talk about these things individually. First, if you are going to wait, if I am going to wait in a way that is worshipful, then we need to sing. You say, I can't sing, Pastor. Sing anyway. (laughs) Make a joyful noise in your heart. Sing. If you will wait in a way that worships God, you will sing even though you can't carry a tune in a bucket. As we wait, we should follow David's example. We should praise God by singing. Not just in church. Friends, in your current waiting, whatever you're waiting for, sing to God in your home, in your shower, in your car, 
Wherever you can sing, sing to God. Praise. Waiting, which is worshiping, sings to the Lord. You can sing. I can sing. Secondly, if we will worship God in our times of waiting, the I will statement is, I will behave wisely. Verse 2a, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Wise behavior in the Old Testament is not a cognitive thing. Wise behavior in the Old Testament is not an academic thing. Wise behavior in the Old Testament is not a facts, knowing facts thing. No. No. Wise behavior, whether it be seen behavior or unseen behavior by other persons, is behavior that is above moral guilt. If we would wait so that we worship, we would say and mean, I will behave wisely. That is, I will live above all moral guilt. Proverbs 16, verse 27 from the Living Bible says, Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle lips are his mouthpiece. Notice that in your life? I have. Idle hands, hands that are not doing proper things, worthwhile things, things that God wants done, idle hands are the devil's workshop. And idle lips are his mouthpiece. And so while you wait, commit yourself to behaving wisely, being above all moral guilt. Don't give any reason for someone to see you and say, look at that fool. Don't give anybody any opportunity to look at your speech and say, what a fool. To look at your conduct as, that's foolish. To look at your speech or your conduct and say, isn't that sin? If we would worship while we wait, we would say, I will behave wisely. But there's another I will. If you and I would wait for whatever we are waiting, and it would be worship, then we would say and mean, I will walk with a perfect heart. You say, Pastor, I can't be perfect. Nobody can be perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. That's true. But perfect here in the Hebrew doesn't mean perfect without fault. It means perfectly complete. And so when the psalmist says, I will walk with a perfect heart, he's not claiming sinless perfection. He's saying, I am going to live with a completely given over to God heart. Now, I've taught you before that in the Hebrew mindset, the heart is far more than the fist-sized blood pump in our chests. That is not what they thought of when the Old Testament talked about the heart. 
Rather, what Jewish people in the Old Testament thought when they saw the word heart, they thought of a launching pad like a Cape Canaveral. A launching pad for all the rockets of a person's decision making, all the rockets of a person's feelings, all the rockets of a person's actions. The heart, the launching pad. And David says, and we ought to follow, I will walk with a perfect heart, a heart completely given over to my Savior. Is that you? King David in 2C says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. He localized the time and the place when he would walk with a heart completely given over to God as his home, his house. He was saying, I will purpose to conduct myself in my house in a way that my launching pad of my decisions and my words and my actions are completely given over to my God. That's a good commitment. Now, think with me, when you're a king, your house is a palace. (laughs) It's not your average house. David was king of Israel. His house was a palace, a fortified mansion. And you know what was true of a palace in David's time and a palace yet, like Buckingham Palace in Great Britain? A palace is a place inherently dangerous because it's completely private and morally it's dangerous because the privacy of a palace is a guarded place of complete privacy for the royalty that live in it. And so in a palace back in David's day when he lived in a palace or in our day as the Queen of England and her family lives in a palace, there in the palace were airtight places either for personal holiness or for personal hedonism. Hedonism is, if it feels good to me, I'm going to do it. Guess what? You and I don't live in palaces, but there are parts of our homes that are airtight with respect to other people seeing what goes on in those places in our homes, our computers, our devices. And either those places in our palaces are given over to holiness or they are given over to hedonism, our choice. You know, nowadays, largely since President Clinton carried on, much is made of public lives versus private lives. Oh, that's my private life. That doesn't come to score anything in my public life. God doesn't see life that way. God doesn't see my life as private life separated from public life. He sees my life as one life. (laughs) That is a private aspect and a public aspect. God sees your lives as one life, each of you, that has a private dimension to it and a public dimension to it. What nobody but God sees and what lots of people see about your life. One life, not two lives. To see, David says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart, with a heart, a launching pad, completely given over to holiness, completely dedicated to God. Is that you? 
David pledged that while he would wait for the ark, whenever God would bring it back from Obed-Edom, from the Gittites, he would wait, he pledged, with a heart that was open to God when his heart was hidden to everybody else. Is that your commitment? That the launching pad of your affections and your priorities and your thoughts and your fantasies are completely open to God because they are when they're hidden from everybody else. The saying goes, and it's true, a person's holiness is best tested when he or she is alone, unseen by any other human. That's when our holiness is best tested. There is a fourth I will. David said, I'm going to wait for the ark in worship, and I am going to do so by saying, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Verse 3, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. You know what? Lockdowns and unemployment and underemployment are perfect breeding grounds for visual wickedness. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle words or lips are the devil's mouthpiece. When you and I have more time, discretionary time than we used to have before the pandemic, we have more time to entertain ourselves visually. Netflix movies, many of which have cussing and killing and blaspheming and illicit sex. You know, I've noticed over the years, 34 years of pastoring God's people in three countries, I've noticed that some believers in Jesus Christ will say of a movie, oh, it's great. It has some cussing or killing or bedroom scenes, but the rest of it is so good. Really? That's like saying, go to the dumpster on Mackey Street, you get some good food there. Sure, you have to pick through some smelly trash that's putrefying in the sun, but every once in a while you find a bone of Kentucky that has some chicken on it still, and it's good. What? Friends, when we wait, and we all are waiting, there is nobody in the sound of my voice that is not waiting for something right now. When we are waiting, let us say and mean, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Nothing wicked before my eyes. As I did some research on the pandemic, something very alarming came to my attention. That when COVID burst on the scene in March, pornographic websites reduced their subscription fees so that they could get new customers hooked on smut. Be careful. 
about sinning with your eyes while you wait. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above who's looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There is one more I will statement in Psalm 101 that tells us how to worship when we wait. And it's found in verses 4 to 8, and it's this statement, I will not know wickedness. The wickedness that are, the instances of wickedness, the issues of wickedness that are mentioned in verses 4 through 8 are the following. Listen, perversions, slander, conceit, pride, deceit, and lies. So when I go into that list and call you to say with me, I will not know wickedness, and I list the vices that are in verses 4 to 8, you say, perversions, I don't have a problem with that, pastor. Good. How about slander? Ever said something negative about a person who wasn't present to a third party? Slander. How about conceit, when inside you think yourself to be better than other people? How about pride? I don't need any help. That's my business. I'll handle it. It's pride. How about deceit? Not completely giving the truth, giving half-truth or flat-out lying for your advantage. I will not know any wickedness, David said, while I wait for the Ark of the Covenant to come to Jerusalem. Can you say that? I will not know wickedness while I wait for whatever I am waiting for currently. I will say no to perversions. I will say no to slander. I will say no to conceit. I will say no to pride. I will say no to lies. Now, will you notice with me that none of these forms of wickedness, perversion, slander, conceit, pride, deceit, and lies, none of those things are just honest mistakes or unintended accidents. Rather, all of perversion, slander, conceit, pride, deceit, and lies, all of those forms of wickedness are conscious choices. Conscious choices. Conscious choices to turn away from what we know is right. Conscious choices to say, The word of God doesn't apply to me. Conscious choices to turn away from what you know is that you are the recipient of God's grace and no better than any other believer. We're all waiting. What are you waiting for? We're all waiting. These verses in Psalm 101, these five I wills, I will sing, I will behave wisely, 
I will walk with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I will not know wickedness. All these five I wills are screaming to those of us, all of us, who wait. Don't wait holding anyone's hand who is not living by those five I wills. Don't walk through your time of waiting compromising on any of the five I wills. If that means distancing yourself from Christians who are not keeping the five I wills, distance yourself. Maybe they'll see there's a problem because you're distancing yourself from them. Don't hold hands while you wait with anyone who is not committed to these five I wills. Because if you refuse to hold hands with persons who are compromising any of the five I wills, then you will worship while you wait. You don't have to wait for what you're waiting for to have everything you think you need to worship. You can worship right now while you wait. You should worship right now while you wait. Don't hold hands with anybody (laughs) who says, I can't worship God. Do you know what I'm waiting for? I'm stressed out. I I have so much I'm waiting for, and I've trusted God, and he doesn't give me an answer. You want me to worship God while I'm waiting? Are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. I'm biblical. Don't hold hands with anybody who is compromising on any of these five I will statements, because... 1 Corinthians 15.33 is clear. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You can't jump into the dumpster by Kentucky and not come out smelling bad. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So for what are you waiting? Whatever it is, wait in holy ways and worship while you wait. Proper waiting can be godly worshiping. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the practicality of your word. You know better than we ourselves know that we are waiting All of us, we're waiting for many different things. Thank you that you're never late, Lord, and you will answer on time. Until then, while we wait, say and mean I will sing. Say and mean I will behave wisely. Say and mean I will walk with a perfect heart. Say and mean I will set nothing wicked before my eyes and say and mean that I will not know wickedness. Is that your prayer? Is that your personal prayer? If it is, you can wait and worship. May we do so to the honor and to the glory of the one for whom
we wait. 